listening to You Need to Stop Doing That, a podcast from Work Better Day and MatchPace. I'm your host, Elizabeth Knox. We are all facing a million decisions a day, big ones and little ones, and it can be overwhelming. Our quick solution is often to add more to our lives, more technology hacks, more responsibilities, more relationships. In reality, if we want to be more successful, have a greater impact, and maintain the quality relationships that we have, we need to make choices to prune away some things from our lives. Only then can our priorities have the place that they deserve. In this podcast, we explore how to stop doing something in a world where we expect ourselves and others to keep saying yes to the next thing. Hey everyone, today on the podcast, we have Tiffany Yurick. Tiffany has given up a job that many people work years for, and they specifically do this job hope that they get this job with the intent that they never have to look for another job again in their entire life. Um, But listen to what Tiffany stopped doing and why she stopped doing it. So, hey, Tiffany, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, I would love for people to hear from your own voice. Just tell us about yourself. Sure. Well, I am a communication expert. I focus on media consulting and training for entrepreneurs, and I've got several years of experience in this industry, and I'm really passionate about helping entrepreneurs build brand authority and get their message out to their dream client. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I am now living in a world of entrepreneurs, and I think we can all use that help. Um, So I'm excited to see, see, hear more about your business. So you just made a major decision to stop doing something. What was it? I did. I did. So I have spent the last decade as a university professor. I train students in uh, media writing, in public relations, in digital marketing strategy, in broadcasting, uh, in public speaking. So you name it, I've taught. And I love that job. I absolutely love working with students and I love teaching. I love when that aha moment comes on. And the light bulb, you know, comes on. Mm -hmm. I have worked for several years to earn a PhD in that field to be teaching. And in the last year, really felt this strong desire and calling to take that information and get out there to help people who own businesses who are trying to launch their own projects. And so I stopped my job and I actually left the university setting to launch my business full time. Very cool. So you left a tenured position. I did. Not a very common decision. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, So just tell us how you kind of came, what brought about the changes in your life and your perspective to come to that decision. Sure. You know, it's a great position to be in when you love the thing that you're doing, but you also have a dream to do something a little bit different. And it was a long process of thinking and praying and deciding what I wanted to do with that career, how I wanted to focus my efforts once my doctoral program was done and I'd earned tenure. And in truth, it's not a major shift. I'm taking the research, I'm taking the data, I'm taking the skill sets and the strategies that I use to teach college students. And now I'm shifting and using that to help entrepreneurs build their business. So in truth, a lot of what I'm doing every day really isn't very different. I just get to condense and get the information down to the most actionable, easiest, fastest to use 
bites to give to my clients. But the process was a little bit challenging to decide because as you can imagine you've got a career that you've been building. You've got uh, work that you've put into it. You've been writing and publishing and researching, developing courses, you know, all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I, I think I'm ready to shift gears here. But what I saw were people uh, who were trying to build businesses and I've got entrepreneurs in my family, small business owners. And so I kind of grew up in this world and I saw that they had amazing stories, fantastic tips and techniques and skills, incredible information that can help people and change lives and they didn't know how to get it out into the world. Mm -hmm. And I heard someone say once, the thing that comes to you naturally that you do every day may be the thing that's keeping somebody else from their dreams. And I'm sorry, I don't know who said it, Mm -hmm. uh, but it really was inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. And so I looked around, saw these business owners and entrepreneurs, and I had kind of kept my hand in that small business world. I'd been just sort of as a hobby on the side, helping people with their social media strategy or uh, getting publicity or, you know, mentions in media, whatever it might be. And realized that there were a whole bunch of people out there doing some really incredible things who just needed to be pointed in the right direction. They just needed a little bit of coaching, a little bit of training, some great strategy and some solid feedback, and they could get that message out into the world. And I looked around and didn't really see anybody else doing that. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that and praying about that decision and decided that that was the next adventure that I wanted to go on to. And so that's how I decided to, to leave the job and go full-time with the business. Yeah. Um, I think that's very true that there are things that come so naturally to all of us, whatever it is that comes naturally to us, we think, well, that's easy. And no one would ever need that or value that because that's easy. But in reality, it's like, no, that's your gift to give to the world. Um, so it's cool that you have realized that what comes easily to you or not, not, I mean, I know you've done a lot of hard work, um, to get there, but realizing that that's a gift that you can, um, can give to others. So was it hard from a professional perspective? Because you mentioned, you said at the very beginning, you said that being a college professor is a good job if you want to do something else as well. Yeah. Working as a college professor, you do have some time and some freedom to be able to pursue other interests. Most of the time for us, that means that we're pursuing research. The university that I worked at was a top ranked private university that focused on teaching. So while I was doing research, a big chunk of my time was developed or it was taken up by developing solid teaching strategies, uh, creating high impact learning environments. It's a term that we use around the university. That means I'm going to develop some really great hands-on experiences. So by the time you graduate, you know uh, what you need to do. You've got a portfolio, you've got connections and networks, and you're ready to go. And so a lot of my time was spent doing that. And you do though have some freedom. Uh, You know, you spend your summers maybe teaching online or teaching some summer school classes, but you can put some more energy into other things. And so there was that possibility of continuing to build both the uh, teaching career and the business. I'm the kind of person who wants to put my all into the thing that I'm doing. And I just finished several years of doing both the full-time teaching and working on my PhD and my dissertation at the same time. So when that was finished, I was looking at these possibilities and I thought, you know, I'm really ready to just put my full focus, my full attention in one thing. I don't want uh, one part of my career to suffer because I'm trying to balance between two things. Mm-hmm. And I'd been able to maintain it for the years with the doctoral program, but I was just eager to put 
everything into one project. And so for me, it came down to the teaching or teaching students, teaching entrepreneurs. And I decided that there are so many entrepreneurs out there who are passionate about what they do. They want some freedom of time, flexibility, some margin in their finances. They just want a little bit less stress in their life. They have this big dream for the business they're pursuing, but they are so caught up in trying to do all the things. You know, the message around us is hustle, 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 that you kind of lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing. And those are the people that I want to help. Those are the people that I want to help them create simple, effective strategies. There are some amazing college professors out there. And so I thought this is a place where I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of, so what you just said is kind of the whole idea around this podcast is that when you have too many things that you're focusing on, it's really hard to feel like you can go really deep or be really good at any of them. And so, you know, for you choosing to stop being a professor, cause you'd been taking on two major, um, taking on two major undertakings. Uh, that's not too many takings. Um, <laughs> for for several years and so just the ability to focus on just one thing the one thing that mattered the most um, and then also helping then your clients your future clients with kind of figuring that out as well that they they aren't going to be able to master this on their own and so instead of you know them trying to figure it out or not doing it you can take the pressure um, off of them you know, I like to tell my students, my clients that uh, sometimes I'm a little bit like the dog from the cartoon up, um, squirrel, squirrel, you know, all of the things going. And so uh, I love to be able to just focus on a single thing. And I know that's something that you guys do with Matchbase. You're all about uh, reimagining your workday, really figuring out how to streamline, how to be effective, how to get the most out of your day. And I love that message. And that's something I want to do for my clients just in a, you know, in a different area of their business. Yeah, totally. Totally. And then now what about personally though? Like, what was it like personally to give up, to stop teaching? And I know that that also impacted then where you live. So it's changed your community and everything. It really has. It's a lot of changes all at once. I have to tell you, I have had the most supportive response to this and I'm so fortunate, so blessed because I know not everyone has that kind of feedback when and response when they make a major change. I'm not married. And so that you know, kind of made the decision just about me and the dog (laughs) where we were going to go. But I knew that it was going to be a major shift in where I was living, what I was doing. And my parents were incredible. And I sat down and had conversation with them and they're very wise people. And so I always go to them when I'm making big decisions. And I just told them, I'm, I'm looking at these two options. The thing that makes sense is to stay in this career teaching. The thing that doesn't make sense, but lights my heart on fire is to leave and take this business Mm full-time. And I remember my dad saying, you're in a position that every person that's ever wanted to start a business dreams of being in. You've been doing this long enough to have the experience, but you're not tied down with a lot of responsibilities that keep you in one place. You don't have a lot of demands on your time and finances that are going to keep you in one place. Mm -hmm. And he said, there's never going to be a better time if you want to go out and help people this way. He said, if you want to do it, just do it. And so, yeah, it was the, it was kind of that kick in the seat of the pants and the encouragement that I needed uh, to launch in that direction. So it's been a fantastic response. Uh, So my family was super excited about it. My friends all love it. Even my bosses and the people that I left behind in the university were excited for me and anxious to see, you know, what happens with the business. So I had a phenomenal response. I'm so thankful for that. 
That's awesome. Is your dad one of those entrepreneurs in your family? Yes, he is. In fact, my first job was working in his business. And I think that's partially why I'm passionate about family business, local entrepreneurship, creatives. Uh, I love the idea of helping families Mm. build strategies and build legacy. You know, creating a successful business isn't something that some people are just born with the ability to do. There really are techniques and tips and strategies that you can use. And I know that there are parents out there who would love to bring their children along and teach them how to take their interests, how to take their skills, their God-given abilities, and make a profit from those so that they're not at the whim and the mercy of always having to get and keep a job and a changing economy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm passionate about family business. And I think that's probably why, because of all the entrepreneurs in my family. That's really cool. Um, I have so many thoughts going through my head about um, children and kind of what the future of the workforce is going to look like. And I mean, at Matchbase, we don't want everybody to go start their own business. Like what we want is existing organizations to be more effective. Like we want them to, um, we don't want people to feel like, oh, this is so not right. I've got to go start my own thing. Cause we think not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. There's lots of good that can come from established organizations at the same time, the entrepreneurial mindset um, that, you know, your dad helped develop in you. And um, the, I think you need to be an entrepreneur in today's economy, whether you are an entrepreneur starting your own business or you have an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think you're right. I think that we've sort of glamorized and glorified the idea of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask 10 different people what entrepreneurship means, you'll get 20 different answers. <laughs> we all have a little bit of a different idea of what that means. Mm-hmm. But I do think that not everybody uh, needs to be an entrepreneur. And I think that there is great value and great dignity in all work. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing glamorous or special about being an entrepreneur. We just have different preferences, um, different skill sets, different drive, different ambitions. And so I agree, not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur, but I do think you're absolutely right that in the economy that we live in, everyone needs to have that entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I have taught my students over the years, how to be a communications professional, you know, totally planning on getting a job with an agency or in a broadcast studio or uh, with a marketing firm, but to have that lifelong learner, um, mindset, the initiative, the drive, the Mm self-motivation to start new projects, because whether or not you're working for yourself or someone else, I think one of the best skills that you can have in the marketplace is the ability to be a self-starter, to see where there's a need and devise a way to fill it. Or real. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, So I'm glad that that is part of what you are (laughs) teaching to your students and then helping entrepreneurs kind of be a self-starter in this area of getting their message out. I think it's Dan Pink's book. It's not always be selling, but it's something to sell as human um, is the name of his book. And he talks about how basically we're all in sales. Um, So I could see, you know, another offering that you have being, um, you know, just like introduction to communications or whatever, because I think we all, those are human skills. You know, they are. Communications really makes the world go round. And one of the things that I tell people is that you can outsource a lot when you're starting a business. You can outsource photo, you can outsource your copywriting, your marketing, your customer service. The thing that you can't outsource is yourself and your ability to communicate your message. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it's so important that you learn how to effectively and strategically get that across. Yeah, totally. So tell us about this business that you're starting. Like Mm -hmm. you stopped doing teaching. So (laughs) what's going on there? 
Sure. Well, sometimes the difference between a business that drains you and a brand that is on fire is as simple as a well-placed, well-executed media moment. Mm. And so you'll see people out there that you're, are talking about you know, doing all of the things. You need to be on all the social media platforms. You need to be doing all of the social media ads. Uh, you need to get all the publicity, all the guest posts. And those are all great things. Mm-hmm it's incredibly stressful to try to do all of those things. And and I'm saying this as a person who is a business owner, someone who has has been there, has done this, who teaches this. I get that that's really stressful. There's just a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. One of the things though that you cannot replace is the power of media placement. So you can pay a lot for an ad. I heard one of the recent going rates for an ad in Forbes magazine is around $150,000. Wow. Yeah. My whistle or, didn't. Now, let me try that again. That's, <laughs> that's right. a lot of money. It is. Or you can get one really well-placed uh, media mention mm-hmm. that will drive people to your site and mm-hmm. is st- is statistically much more effective in conversion, in uh, turning readers, audience members into customers. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the best ways that you can make your business skyrocket and just take off, pour jet fuel on it, is to build brand authority, to set yourself apart as the leader in your industry. Whether you are in the medical industry, whether you're an author, uh, you know, whether you are a local farmer, to be the, the premier leader in your industry helps convert customers. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is quite often through media placement. Mm-hmm. The, the brain translates those kinds of media moments where you're being interviewed by a television show or you have a podcast interview or you even created you know, a YouTube channel. The brain processes that as a type of authority. It shows that you've been recognized by someone and so that you must be uh, an authority in your field. And when you're an authority, it helps to grow that know, like, and trust factor a lot more quickly. Mm-hmm. And that in turn, results in much faster rates of sales and conversions, uh, and it's more profitable for your business. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like to do. I like to work with people, help them figure out how to get the publicity, and then what to do once they have it. Mm-hmm. It's not just, here's how to land that media interview or that podcast or that mention in, in media, but what do you do with it once you get it? Mm-hmm. And working from the other side of the table as the broadcaster, as the journalist, as a new TV personality, I understand what journalists are looking for, what podcasters are looking for in an interview, what they want to see, what helps them grow their business, and what's going to help the entrepreneur grow theirs, Mm -hmm. and what keeps the media coming back to you over and over again and creating that media darling. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to just get the placement. You really need to know how to make the most of that interview, what to talk about, how to control the message, how to tell your story, how to leverage that media placement into other media placement. Mm. But beyond that, you can also create your own press. You can create your own publicity and do your own public relations strategy through the creation of your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or social media video. And so I love helping people. And I'll be honest, I really love helping women. Mm develop that confident on camera or behind the mic persona that they get excited rather than nervous about um, when they're getting ready to do their media work. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I, you know, harbor like hopes for media interviews and then, but it's like, but what 
like, am I really ready? Would I actually know what to say? So um, I think that, yeah, you're, I'll, you'll have a new client <laughs> soon. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, let me tell you, uh, I love to tell people this story. It doesn't reflect really well on me, but it does make people laugh. The first time I did a studio recording, I forgot my own name and it was on the <laughs> teleprompter. <laughs> You're like I was, trying to read it like t- yeah. t- Tiffany. I, I was the TV personality. I was so nervous that first time. I was a very young. It was before I was out of college. And it was the first time I'd really done a studio performance on my own. And I was so nervous. And yet I've made an entire career as a TV personality uh, and as a public relations professional and as a professor in this industry who does a lot of PR for the university. And I teach people how to do that, how to be confident, how to create a unique persona on camera and behind the microphone, how to develop rapport with the customer that really draws them in and makes them very loyal. If I can do that and I forgot my own name, anybody can learn to do it. They just need simple and effective tools and a good coach that can tell them what to do and give them great feedback. Yeah, that's awesome. I think the feedback is really helpful. Um, I, I think we're often afraid to give other people honest feedback um, because we don't want to hurt their feelings, but really to help them grow, you need a safe relationship to give them that feedback. Um, but, but that's how they're going to grow. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've seen that now for a decade of training broadcasters uh, and interviewers, um, training entrepreneurs. You know, I've worked with authors and medical professionals and people across the spectrum. And that trust is so important. They need to know that uh, you care, that when you're coaching them, that you care about their success. But then there are really specific things that we can do to help improve that performance and really make you shine as a business owner, really get your message across. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I'm really excited for you. I'm excited that you made the choice to stop teaching. Um, and <laughs> Thank you. This business. Um, so I, so far my podcast interviews have been with people um, kind of about other things, not necessarily about what they stopped doing. So I ask a question at the end, what is something that you've stopped doing lately? I don't know. Do you have anything else that you've been working on kind of pruning out of your life to make space for other things? Oh, that is such an excellent question. And Elizabeth, when I learned about the concept of your podcast early on, I thought, what a brilliant question because everyone is asking, what do I need to do? What do I need to add? But I think we don't always stop and take the time to think about what do we need to cut out? What do we need to prune? Mm -hmm. This is just a side note here. My family owns a vineyard. And so I've learned a lot over the years about how important pruning is. Yeah. (laughs) Actual experience with pruning. (laughs) I actually do. And I remember it's funny when I was really thinking through and praying through the decision about leaving my job. I was out one day, um, on, I was here on a weekend, um, working with my dad out in the vineyard, doing some pruning. And I remember looking at those branches and we were talking about how important it is to cut back so much. And it almost makes your, your heart ache when you put so much energy into growing those vines mm-hmm. that you've got to cut those vines back. But what you don't realize at the time is that that cutting back is actually what creates the strength and the vitality in the vine so that it can make it through the tough times that are coming through that cold winter. Mm -hmm. And so it has to have all that extra cut off so it can pour all of its energy into doing the one thing that it needs to do Mm -hmm. to really thrive and succeed. And that was such a a powerful lesson and it impacted me so deeply. Mm -hmm. There are times that we need to cut out some really great things in our life so that we can move forward and do 
a really excellent, wonderful thing and really do it well. And so for me right now, you know, I've quit my job. I've moved. Yeah. I'm, I'm launching the business. Doing a lot of things, so no <laughs> I've kind of stopped doing a lot of things, but I really stopped to consider what is it that I'm doing right now? When you work in the education system for a long time and, and I mean, going to school and working in the school setting, you kind of get used to all of your goals being set by someone else. There's external validation and goal setting that's created by someone else. So you're trying to get a certain grade on a project that, you know, your professor determines what that grade is and what a good grade is. You're trying to get that next degree. You're trying to finish that next exam. You're trying to write that dissertation and get it published. Or you're trying to write a research paper and have a journal sign off on it. So you sort of get used to this rhythm of your goals being set by other people. And then you can move on once it's been validated externally. Mm, And so launching a business as an entrepreneur is an exciting and terrifying experience kind of all roll up in one. Anyone who's ever started a business probably knows that there's some elements of it that are are a little terrifying. And one of the things I realized was early on when I was developing uh, concepts and really trying to figure out how I was going to help people, I kept waiting for someone to sign off on it and say, okay, that's the thing. Go ahead and go for it. That's the thing that you need to do, you know, and and that external validation and the goal set by someone else. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that has been a mindset shift to stop waiting for that check mark, stop waiting for the gold star or for someone to say, okay, this is right. You can move forward, Mm -hmm. set my own goals uh, and figure out what success looks like for me. And so that's kind of the thing that I'm stopping right now is stopping external validation and really uh, working to devise my own goals, my own, my own definition of success uh, to follow that unique calling. Yeah, that is so true. Um, I think, and it is hard, like not having anyone else tell you this is good enough or it's not good enough. You kind of have to sort that out on your own, which is a whole nother level, but I love that you are taking that step. That is awesome. Um, Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate Um, just the chance to talk with you and learn from you. Um, And I'm really excited about your willingness to prune back stuff that you have worked so hard on um, to make sure that this other fruit grows really strongly. Um, So thanks, Tiffany. Oh, Elizabeth, thank you for the great work that you're doing with your business and the podcast. It's helpful to a lot of us entrepreneurs out there. Thanks. Thank you everybody for joining us today. So Tiffany's illustration at the end where she was talking about her parents' vineyard reminded me of these fruit trees that we have at our house. We have a plum tree and a peach tree. And I do not know much about gardening. When we got them and planted them, I I mean, I know that you're supposed to cut things back, but I'm just scared to. What if I do it wrong? What if I cut off the the wrong branch or too much and then we don't get anything? But instead, what ends up happening is that every year we get hundreds of tiny little pieces of fruit. Um, I don't want to eat hundreds of tiny little pieces of fruit. I would love to have, it'd be great if we got, I don't know, what can a plum tree produce? I don't know, 30 plums or 100 plums, but instead we have multiple hundreds. Um, But I would have to work past the fear and cut the tree back. So I hope that this conversation with Tiffany helped you think about what you have to cut back, even though it'll be hard, even though it seems counterintuitive. um, If we have the courage to prune things away, it actually grows more delicious, I guess, fruit.